0: Hey team, welcome to another episode of the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. The podcast where we actually explore the minds of leaders from all around the agriculture and agribusiness space about what it takes to lead intentionally in this industry today. My friends, if there's some value in here for you today, we ask you to subscribe to the podcast, share this with someone who needs to hear the message of what it takes to be intentional let's get into the show all right ryan rizdal man i'm I'm super excited to have you on here. Thanks for making the time to be on the intentional agribusiness leader podcast with me today
1: yeah thanks mark looking forward to it
0: so let's uh, let's dive right in and give you the same question give a give you the big opening question What does it mean for you to be intentional
1: that's a that's a big question um I think, I think in anything within when you're working with other individuals, I mean, you have to be first thing is you have to be present. And that is, that is difficult to do in today's environment where you're always distracted by something dinging on your computer or your phone's buzzing or everything else. But I think you have to make people understand and believe that you, you care about them. Um, and you're interested in who they are and what they do. I think that's that's probably that's probably how I how I view being intentional. And it's it sounds kind of crazy, but as, as a little as a little kid grew up on a farm, uh there's a gentleman by the name of Jim Penny who used to be the CEO of Hard Iowa Cooperative, which was my hometown co-op. And when I would go into the co-op with my dad, Jim would address me as a grown-up and I was a little kid. It made me feel 10 foot tall and bulletproof, right? That's mm-hmm. always stuck with me. So when I, when I try and work with individuals, I try and make them feel the same. It's not easy. And I, I'm not successful hundred percent of the time at it. Um, probably not even 50% of the time, but in the back of my mind, <clears throat> that's what I use as a gauge for success. Um, what it takes to be intentional because Jim was present a hundred percent of the time and made you feel really good about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Such a great description, right? That presence and yeah. and and I, and I often use that when we're talking about this with other people or or people in training programs, right? Like, hey, look, you know, do you, everybody has that experience with somebody—an aunt, an uncle, a grandma, a parent, um, Jim from the co-op. Yeah. You know, I <laughs> yeah. yeah. uh, yeah, you know remember
1: right, but everybody's got someone.
0: Exactly. I remember the first, I was on a on a sales road trip with my dad one summer. When he was building up his business, and uh, the waitress called me "little sir," and <laughs> that was, <laughs> that was the biggest uh, the biggest day. My dad gave me grief about that the rest of his life. So put that on a t shirt. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of organizations uh, in ag uh, right now struggling with talent retention. Ryan, and just kind of curious, what uh, what are you guys doing at uh, ProAgrica, and and you're part of that to uh, to be intentional about keeping keeping good talent around.
1: Yeah, I think you need to be the company, the organization needs to be absolutely clear on what it's trying to do. Right, I think we've all worked in organizations where what what we're trying to achieve is really fuzzy. In ag, whether it's ag retail distribution. Ag tech. I mean, ag is a intense business to be a part of. Um, burnout is common. If if the individual does not understand the work they do, the extra hours they put in, the you know the blood, sweat, and tears, if you will, if they don't understand how that contributes to the overall success in a tangible manner, right? They, they, it's it doesn't make it that emotional connection doesn't happen. And if, if you can't get the individual to emotionally connect to where you're trying to get to what you're trying to do and how they fit, what piece they are in the puzzle to make the picture, right? If, if they can't see that, and they can't feel it, and they can't see what they've done, like I worked on a Saturday last week. And because I did that, this person was able to do that, which enabled us to do this, you know, if, if they can't tangibly pull that together, they're going to struggle to understand what the why. why. Why am I doing this? Why? Why does this matter? Why do I? And then when they get to the why do I care? You're, you've already kind of lost them, right? So I think, I think for me, ag is ag is a burnout industry, and if you cannot at least insulate yourself from that by emotionally connecting the individual to the business, mm-hmm. it's you're, you're going to struggle, right? You, you're you're going to struggle. They have to be emotionally connected to the business. But as a, as, Mm -hmm. as a leader, if they don't believe in you or have confidence that you have the best interest for them, Mm -hmm. they're going to leave you as well. There's, there's a huge amount of trust, trust and belief. And, and, and I I think, I think that's, that's important. I've I've watched, I've been a part of, and I've watched organizations just burn people out and churn them out the bottom 10% gets let go every year and rehire new people. And they feel that's the way to manage their organization. And I disagree with that wholeheartedly, I think. Good individuals that are bought in are the most important thing to the organization. They deliver the mail. They, they get the work done with, without good people in a bought in team. It's really hard to be successful. It's really mm-hmm. hard to get any consistency and any relationships, any identity. You can do all the marketing you want, but if your team is not bought in, it's not going to work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, do you bring up the word? And I think this might might be the first one so far to bring up the, The correlation that it's an emotional experience for the employee, right? It's a, it's a, it's an, it's an emotional experience to decide. And I was talking to somebody else, I think on another episode and, or maybe outside of the recording, but we were talking about seed and how emotional of a decision Mm -hmm. buying seed is. Yeah right it's at the farm at the farm level right
1: it's oh it's huge mm-hmm. trust yeah
0: and so and so what happens when that seed doesn't perform or doesn't get delivered or they can't get what they want yeah. <laughs> right yeah you know, if you, if you can understand that yeah right with the the downside of that not going well i think yeah. maybe maybe as a leader we can understand like that employee you know the the the, the employee mindset a little bit differently and like to me being in part of being intentional is, is trying to put yourself in the shoes of others a little bit. You don't have to live there, but try to make decisions and with an understanding of how this is going to impact. Yeah. doesn't mean you don't have to make tough decisions. Like that's part of being a leader. Like you're, you're going to make decisions that people don't like. I get that. But you know, can you do that with a, with an empathetic or at least a compassionate? um, Yeah.
1: There's the old, uh, a really good friend of mine. Um, His name is Doug Kaiser. He he used to do training when I was at United Suppliers. He would do training for United Suppliers. And one of the things that he he talked about with us was understanding yourself and others. It's a very common training, but it was very impactful to me when we talked about, you know, you have two individuals climbing the ladder and they're both going to get to the same height. And then one guy says, well, I see it this way. And the other person says, well, I see it that way. And they look at each other and go, well, how in the hell could you see it that way? Right. My view was right early in my career i was very aggressive very you know just punch through it right just punch through it don't care just get it done once you start to see as as you said mark once you start to appreciate someone else's perspective and then you start to to talk about to talk, just just start to talk about things so they can better better absorb it and better process it and better understand it um it just it just makes change easier it makes conversations easier. It makes achieving things much better. But un- until you do that, man, it's you're going to struggle, right? You're going to struggle to implement change, and you're going mm-hmm. to just go get the team to be emotionally bought in. And it's just, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's really powerful to be able to take a step back and be empathetic and and take a look at it. And that that took me the better part of fifteen years, the twenty years to learn. Right? I mean, that's yeah. that that is a big that is a big step in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Well, it's um, there. There's there's an author named John Eldridge who who uh, writes a book <clears throat> um, called "Fathered by God," and he goes through the um, the different stages that people go through. Yeah, during yeah. their development, and and often uh, we uh, you know we find that you know young people early on in the career are in what they call the cowboy phase. You know, which is like the yeah. you know, yeehaw, get it done, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, like the get her done kind of personality yeah. and just grind. Right. Yeah. And you can do that because you're young and there's less consequence to the body at that at that stage. Um, uh, yeah. you know, maybe you don't have the a full family, you know, in place yet. Yeah. And, and you can go, you know, and yeah. then there's a time and a place for that. And then the next phase is what's called the warrior phase. And in yeah. the, the warrior phase, right, is the build, the go. Like you probably have a young family, you probably got something to defend right yeah. something you're built starting to build for right. uh, but you're still you still got a little bit of that cowboy you still got you know you haven't got that yeah. maturity the wisdom that comes once you kind of turn 40 there's something biologically that happens at least as, from a from a male perspective i know that there's something biologically that shifts yes. i think about the world differently I'm yeah. starting now. I'm starting to think about legacy, and we entered the, what's called the king phase in his work and in, Eldridge, in Eldridge's work. And so, you know, it's there's a natural progression. I think that people go through that we go through in our career, in our thirties. You know, like a lot of you know, a lot of people are we, nobody would admit this, but I think it's a lot more about like what can I build. Oh right? sure. Right. What can I build? How can I prove myself? How can I like, you know, and then when we get into the, you know, the 40s, you know, the later stages of our career and the kind of the last 20, say, let's call that the 40s and 50s. Well, now, and I'm sure plenty of people work till they're 70, but we'll just kind of put it into the box of the 40s and 50s. Right now it's like, well, what can I leave behind? you know, now it's, it's a different tone. So anyway, I think that, I think that plays in, and I think you're really relevant to, you know, to understand this and talk about this, given the role that you're in. Mm -hmm. And you're also working with a team. I mean, I think you told me like 150 people, I mean, around the world, like you're talking almost every time zone.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Literally every time zone. Yeah.
0: You know, and you really like when you talk about having to see it from someone else's perspective, like, listen, if you live in Australia, I mean, yeah. they literally might culturally see the world differently than we do.
1: Absolutely. Or if you talk uh-huh. to you know, a person from the Netherlands, they will address you differently and question you differently with a different emotional background. Then you might take it as offensive, but they're literally stating the facts.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. That's the, yeah. that's the, the Dutch. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you so just take a deep breath and be like,
1: okay, appreciate that.
0: Yeah. So so from a leadership perspective then, this is a little bit off script. I don't have this question written down, but I want yeah. like what how do you how do you how do you overcome those stories? You know, that because it can be, I mean, I would imagine like you can have some train wrecks and people start, oh, yeah. you know, taking things personally, yeah. you know, even though the person just maybe operating or questioning like how they do in their culture. You know, but if you're if you're really direct and abrupt, and that's normal there, that's probably not normal in Ames, Iowa. Oh,
1: hell no. no, yeah, it's not. <laughs> so no, it's not. It's 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 not. It's it's difficult. It's it took, and that was part. I mean, that was part of getting used to, and 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 part of the challenge of this of this job is you know being in an international position is that um, you you have to be a bit vulnerable to to understand right and you you have to be willing you have to be willing to to ask the dumb question to level set the conversation right intentionally like i don't know how many times i've said look so-and-so i'm i'm ignorant here help me understand and i think help me understand are some of the most powerful words i've ever used and and i've ever i forget where i got that from i'm sure i got it from somebody but help me understand are some of the most powerful words that i've that i continue to use every day because if something catches me off guard like that you know now that i'm gonna i'm gonna be 45 in october so i'm, I'm in that phase of seeing the end right so yeah i've after that 15 second initial blood pressure spike and you're like how I, how could that person ask me that question right after you after you Take a deep breath and pull yourself back from that. Yeah. All right, so and so help me understand where you're coming from. I mean, I'm ignorant here. What do you what do you mean by that? I mean, let's let's dig in and ask those probing questions. Then 30 seconds later, you're like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay, now I understand where you're coming from. And you're fine. But I think I've I've been a part of relationships and watched organizations just bristle up and and think they have to be tough. And you know and if you're a leader, you're going to be the tough guy. And you're going to say all the tough things and ask all the hard questions and just pound your fist on the table, right? That doesn't work, in my opinion. I mean, there's, there's a time and a place for that, right? But that is very, very, very infrequent. Very, very infrequent. Because what that does is it tells me that your relationship has broken down to the point where there is nothing left. And the only resort you have is to be the tough guy because you have to get something done for to meet the bigger picture, which is a horrible place to be. Yeah. I find if I can be a bit vulnerable, because part of it is, I mean, unfortunately, when you have a job title and you're talking to someone else, they're they're gonna be a bit intimidated because they don't they don't know me very well. They don't understand what I'm what what am I truly after in this conversation, you know what I mean? Put yourself in their shoes. I mean, they're they're a bit intimidated, maybe. Maybe they're not. But if you can just you know, level set the playing field, understand? Hey, I'm here just to I'm curious, right? I just want to understand. I'm ignorant at the moment. Can you help educate me? And once they start explaining to you and start teaching to you, then then it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes absolute sense. Let me try and help you out. And if you do it and follow up, I think beyond, I really. There have been a few relationships I've struggled with, but we've gotten to some really good places over time. Some of them are quick. Some of them take time. Um, it depends on how much stuff you're working with that happened in the past, but um, I feel like our team now is, is working really well together. We're not perfect, but we're a heck of a lot better than we were two, three years ago. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it it takes a minute to get things uh, to get everybody pulling in the same direction, and and you have to yeah. be intentional about that. Obviously, so from a, from a cultural standpoint, you've got many cultures blending into yeah. one culture, which is the culture of your company, your team, mm-hmm. your organization. So what uh, what challenges have you had in Getting everybody to kind of pull together in the culture, right? Because I mean, a lot of people talk about culture. I think culture needs to be intentionally created. It's not something. I mean, if you it, it will otherwise, it will happen accidentally. So, yeah. yeah, I'm just curious what the what have you had to overcome, or or how have you you know worked to to intentionally build that?
1: Yeah, um, I always say culture trump strategy every time. When culture happens whether or not you want it to, or you I and mean, despite your best interests. There's a culture that will emerge. Um, I think for us and and for my past, if you're, if, if you're, if you're able as a leader to be intentional, and if you're, if you're able for people to, if you're able to start building trust and build trust or not take away trust, right? Often people trust immediately, but it just gets, it gets taken away. Um, if you're able to, to build trust and respect, and be intentional and be present. If people trust you, they will will go along for the ride. And if if you can clearly articulate what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go, what their place is, and they, they fundamentally trust you to get them there and to take care of them, we're a huge company. And there's always a bit of nervousness of working in a large organization. If your team fundamentally believes that this individual We'll do what's right. I'm okay with that. And I will sign up for that. And I will I will change and I will let my guard down and I will I will I will drink the proverbial Kool Aid, right? I, I will do that and I will I will submit to what they're trying to to look, trying to do and accomplish. But if if they don't trust you, if they don't respect you, if there's been broken trust in the past it's really hard to build a culture because there's an element of you got to let your guard down to accept a culture or be part of a culture, I think. And I think I'm saying a lot of the same stuff, but I think just that fundamental relationship and that, and that being available to be present and, and being vulnerable to, to ex- just, you have to, I feel as a leader, you have to, you have to be, you have to be strong, but you've got to be vulnerable at the same time. You've got to be confident, but, Here's where we're trying to go. Here's what we're trying to do. This is how we're going to get there. And this is your role in that. And I need you to be there for us. Because it's about us. It's not about, it is about you, but it's about us, right? And you're part in that. And I mean, Mark, that's taken me, again, a long, long time. And I've failed at building culture before. And I've not done it exactly right. But I've never done it the same but each time I've been in an organization and tried to help them do something, you've got to understand where you're at before you can't walk in with a, with a script and be like, okay, day one, you're going to stand up in front of the group and be like, this is, you know, you can't read it. You got to be able to connect with people and understand the ebbs and flows of the, of what they've been through and then understand what the company's trying to do. And then you got to mash them together. Um, it's, It's kind of learned art and, and you just, you just gotta be focused on the people. To make it happen, I feel.
0: Hmm. Yeah. You, you know. So what, here's what something that's interesting. Uh, as I'm listening to you twice now, this has come up. The word clarity, mm-hmm. right? The the word clarity, both in just understanding, you know, the team and the people where they're at, but then also being able to lead with clarity and right. clearly articulate. And I think that the that's a direct quote to clearly articulate the direction. And I think that's right. what a lot of people are just craving, right? They're just craving. Right clear direction where are we going yeah why does this matter yeah. what is this leading us to right i mean and just like but overall where are we going yeah you know i think if, yeah. you, if you just went macro take it out of our company's perspectives for the for a moment and like look at what's going on in america i mean if we had a clear direction for where we're going absolutely like what a difference that would make but you have such a fragmented and fractured yeah. view you know there's there's no true leadership that says hey clearly this is what we're creating as a nation and that and then so now you okay. see the result of not having that
1: and the, the loss of the ability for individuals to have a different opinion and have a constructive debate mm, that to great me, point yeah that to me is i'm completely okay if somebody has a different opinion than me and if it's strong opinion great but if that individual can't sit down and talk to me and have a dialogue and both shared perspectives, right? That that's where I that's where I struggle. And I start to ask, ask myself, is this individual able to be part of a team? Or are they so focused on on their belief that they they can't adapt and, and at least respect someone else's position and, and, the, and the position that because there's always common ground, and my fear is that we're losing that ability for individuals to sit down and have a constructive conversation about how they do not believe the same thing but at least come to an agreement at the end that, yeah, we don't believe it the same thing, but today this is the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. I think that, that to me is the most concerning thing. Um, and I do see that in business, but I yeah, certainly in the, in the private and, in, in, in the, in the U S today that, that does concern me, but that's a different conversation for a different day. But right. I do see that, I do see that trickling into business, but so far we've, you know, we've had a really good, really good.
0: Yeah. Well, like it, we I think it's, 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 it's some, the, the, macro experience is something that's lived for all of us. So we all are, yeah. we all see that and are frustrated by that. If, yeah. if you have the ability to actually recognize that there are multiple, multiple different viewpoints across yeah. so many cultures within our country. And, and so, <clears throat> um, and that and then, I mean, at least from our generation and upward, like you remember a time when debate was welcomed. Yeah. We can have a conversation we could yeah. with each other. We don't even have to like adopt each other's beliefs. I certainly don't have to start yeah. living your lifestyle yeah. and, yeah. and it was okay. Like, all yeah. right, well, you know, guy's a little weird, but let him, you know, That's cool. <laughs> good it for him. Okay. At least now I understand him better. You know, I can yeah. see, and that was, you know, like I went through some diversity training in the late nineties through, like through the FFA actually, and you know, as part of FFA leadership and yeah. it helped me understand. Like, I think one thing that I had to do was, um, they, uh, it was on this committee and so we had to be on this committee. We had to go through diversity training and they gave us like a stack of beads of all different colors. And then they ask us all kinds of questions about yeah. like, you know, the, the types of people that were in our life growing up, you know? Yeah. And so I, I, they asked us, I don't know, 20 questions and, you know, pretty soon I've got, um, uh, a, a string of beads, you know, sitting here in front of me with 19 white ones and, you know, one brown <laughs> one, right? <laughs> like, oh yeah, maybe I don't understand other cultures, right? As much as, you know, my dad taught me sitting at the kitchen table about how everybody is, right? Yeah. So, uh, you, you weren't, you weren't exposed to it. I wasn't either. We were. You weren't, no, were not, not growing it. up in yeah. Minnesota. Well I mean, it's, you just weren't. And, but, you know, and now I am, now I don't have an excuse. Now I have an obligation as a leader and especially right. as an intentional leader to, to do my best to understand and, and help other people um, understand. And, just, and one last thing on this, you know, I was, I was watching a, um, an RFK junior interview mm. uh, uh, somewhere. And so I've just been following, you know, we're kind of getting into the next presidential cycle here and just checking mm. out the different candidates. And he said something really interesting. Uh, That uh, his dad, you know, obviously before he was assassinated, but his dad would would force them at the dinner table to choose. uh, They would have to choose like a a topic, like a social or a political topic of the day and take a different side and debate it. You know, and like how cool Like we don't teach kids how to debate. Yeah. Properly, You know, like we yeah. don't teach our kids to like, I mean, they'll fight, of course, right. You know, over, over who gets what, but Absolutely. Uh, yeah. to actually, you know, like give them the skill sets to sit down and debate, like that's intentional leadership, right. Yeah. Like giving your people the, um, the skill sets to, 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 to do it and then have to like, maybe debate a side that you don't like that you don't agree with. Right. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I think there's there's something to be said about intentionally infusing those kind of things in into into yeah. business culture and so on. So yeah. uh, Ryan, talk to me a little bit about you know what's what's been a big hurdle that you have had to overcome as a leader over the course of your career?
1: Oh, I think I mean it's it's consistent here with with our conversation, but I think the biggest hurdle I've had to overcome is building cultures. And like I said, Mm -hmm. I've not always, we've always gotten to a place and it's, it's always been, it's always been a better place than where we started. Um, the, the, the journey there wasn't always smooth and I don't think it probably ever, ever can be. Um, I just, you know, if, if you don't have what I would call a healthy team and a team that can communicate openly and 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 is working efficiently and is focused on what you're trying to achieve then i mean that that's that's really that is the biggest hurdle i think too getting buy-in from from leadership above you that Mm. hey hey, look i'm going to come into your organization and 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 this is what i see and this is what i'm going to do over the next two years in order next year two years to get us where we need to get to to be to be successful right and sometimes at the moment when you sign when they sign up for that they're all about it but you get 6 months into it you start looking at financials and you're like man this change needs to happen faster and my comment back is there's only so much emotional change a person can withstand I've got my hand on the clutch here and I'm pushing it as far as I can without burning people out or losing the best people right and there's that's within that taking a little different angle on the culture topic that is the biggest one of the bigger hurdles that a leader has to deal with when it comes to, I mean, as I see it, culture, the biggest issue is when you're trying to be successful and you're trying to get your team there, almost managing the leadership above you, whether it be a board or the CEO or whomever, to stick with you for that time. Because there always comes a time when you're building a culture where it gets it gets rough. It gets mm-hmm. it gets really rough. with the we're the old adage, when everybody says who wants to change and everybody raises their hand, you know, and then or who wants change, everybody raises their hand. And I'll say who's going to change, and nobody raises their hand. Right? I mean, so right, right. it's it's difficult. You will find yourself in that place, and some sometimes you get through it. I mean, you're able to you're able to continually sell yourself and in the group and what's going to happen, and you get the little base hits you can refer to and more common, more frequent ones. But man, there's sometimes where it's just you're under you're under pressure and it, it just doesn't always go as planned, but, you gotta be but ready
0: for um, later. I'm sure I've said it more than five times since we started making this podcast, but it's, it, it, it always rings true as you go through any team development, any change, right? The, the, the team has to go through the four stages, which are the, the forming where we come together. And then we have to go through the storming and then the norming and then the performing. And I think that was Lencioni. I can't remember exactly which book that's out of, Uh, It's been so long and I've used it so much over the years, but if we skip the storming phase, then we never truly get to the norming. We'll always have to come back and repeat. It will never feel good. Right. Right. So we almost like, I I equate it to like, you know, a lot of people became best friends with their third grade worst enemy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like you became really like in high school, whatever you guys were captains of the football team together, but in third grade, you couldn't stand each other. Oh, that's great. Right. So we have to go through those storming phases in life in order to get to the, to the norming and then to the performing. Every relationship goes through it. Like, don't try to skip it. You can literally be intentional almost and say, Hey, like how quickly can we get there and work through the storm so that we can get to the next level? Because what, what I think a lot of cultures do, a lot of leaders do unintentionally is they skip the storm. They try to avoid the storm because it's tough. It's hard. It's not fun. Nobody likes that. I mean, if you've ever had a, have a, you know, long conversation with your wife at night uh, and you're up till midnight, working it through, like Mm -hmm. nobody, it's never fun, but it's necessary. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. What's uh, what's been a big win for you? What's been your biggest win as a leader? If you could pick one out of the hat.
1: I think, I think the biggest win for me is, is seeing the results, right? So whether it be whether it be the individual developing themselves or you know, you know building a relationship with the individual or, or seeing the sales numbers increase or seeing the seeing the non-sales metrics start to actually start to actually tick and you can see a, a you know relationships form when you see when you see efficiency start to come into the business, when you you know when you see customers start to come in and give you give you praises for your teams like this individual came out to see me and oh my gosh i've never had a better experience with a salesperson right or mm-hmm. you know when the products start to actually hit the market and people look at it and go wow this is this is really really good right i think to me the biggest win is is the base hits if that sounds a little mm-hmm. sounds a little weird but for me, it's it's the biggest wins for me are multiple ones, and they're the base hits because the home runs. If you're if you're swinging for home runs all the time, you're gonna there's gonna be a lot of collateral damage left behind your swing, right? So I think for me, it's it's the, it's it's the little base hits, yeah, right. It's the, the team working well together, and you can see it and you can measure it, and the relationships are happening, and your competitors are coming to you and saying, "Wow, that's you guys are doing great," you know, we're getting a little nervous i'm like yeah cool right i mean that makes me feel good right or a or a team member says you know i was ready to quit 2 3 years ago and now i'm feeling pretty good i mean those i mean when you hear that i mean that's that means something's happening
0: mhm yeah beautiful yeah. i love it i love the base hits i love the you know just when it comes to seeing someone see, seeing someone on the team excel Yeah. Right. There's a job that you know, you know that you could step in and do, but the value to you and to the company to see them take that on and own it expands the company's capacity, builds their confidence, gives you greater certainty in your team, and it's just like that's to me that's the stuff that feels really good. Like, why don't we? our programs that, uh, that we run, there was a time and I wrote them and <laughs> there, yeah. there was a time and a place where only I could step in front of the classroom and teach. Oh, right. Yeah. Cause I, I was, you know, I knew the curriculum. I had the, the, the teaching style down and that's what customers liked. And and so we thought, you know, well, it had to be him. Ooh. And, and then was like, well, I think in 2019, pre COVID, we ran 33 live events in one year Ooh. and, you know, two day two, 33, Two day live events. And, you know, we had, thank goodness, like in 2017, or 16, 17, we'd been building other facilitators to step in and take that. It took time to get there. But oh. now all of a sudden, I could sit in the back of the classroom and I could see something that once only I could do. Yeah. That, you know, somebody who previously didn't even have the ability is now doing. Oh, no. And that's yeah. like leadership standpoint. Yeah, you, like, I'll get you, out of bed early for that. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. I think. I think too, and it's 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 along those lines, if, if you're not able to, if you're not focused on, like if you're not focused on your people, right, developing them and empowering them and getting them to do these things and think critically and answer answer tough questions themselves. If you if you don't have that trust with your team, right, and you don't develop that, right, you're gonna you're gonna stay in the same place, to your point. I think too, for me, it's like creating an environment where it's where everybody understands what's going on, right? Back to that, but it becomes predictable. Yeah. They can plan on it, right? And it almost becomes a little bit boring because you can expect what's going to happen. And the things that pop up like aren't huge things, but that gives you time as a leader to start addressing the other stuff. And it gives you time as a leader to recognize and celebrate the wins, because at that point, everybody's ready to receive the wins because they're feeling good. Mm-hmm. If, if if stuff is chaotic and people are in a bad mood and you try and celebrate wins without addressing the situation, like who's this corporate guy up here talking to me about these wins that they have no idea what's going on right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but if you're plugged in and you're addressing them and and things become boring and you're like hey this month we did this and this person did that and this is awesome and good job everybody's like well yeah it's kind of everything's kind of clicking everything's kind of moving along right and if you can get to that point and this is more the authenticity piece right but you have to Delegate and empower and get develop people to get to that point. That's part of that
0: whole storming and stuff you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, we got to go through the phases. All yep. right, so you know, I mean, it all sounds good in theory, right? And that oh, as yeah. a leader, we got to come down. It comes down to like, well, how do how do I allocate my time, right? Yeah. Because I got everybody seems to want a piece of it. There's I've got more than enough to do. There's nobody listening to this podcast that doesn't have. 18 more things on their list to do today that you know then is going to get done and that's going to right. you know turn into potentially stress and other things and burnout. Absolutely. So talk to me, you know, what's your take on this? Like how do you allocate your time, right? Cuz we're talking about some nice things like building your team and, and investing in and in building up people, right? But then you got admin stuff, let's be honest. You got emails and and stuff to respond to, right? I mean, you got a lot yeah. of overhead tasks, I call them overhead tasks that just like, you know, reduce the amount of time that I have to go do maybe some other more important things throughout the day. How how do you kind of allocate your time for maximum productivity, at least in your world?
1: So I, I mean, being an international organization, I reserve the first part of the mornings for the European group, right? Because they're, they're up six hours before we are. So I, I, I try and block my day just segments. Right. And it depends on the day where the you know, typically it's three blocks. First block is for, because I've got, I've got five to six hours of incoming questions every morning that, while I'm sleeping. Mm. Um, so I allocate the first part of my morning just to, just to digest that and respond to any, anything that needs an immediate response because me i pers- I'm a, I'm an introvert that needs to act like an extrovert as you can, I mean, the amount of emotional energy that I have to put out every day is pretty substantial. So I have to process that to be comfortable to go through the rest of my day. And I recognize that. So I might not respond to everything, but I at least know what's there. And then I have a pretty religious schedule throughout the day. I try and block off the time period where the kids get out and get on the bus, right? Because I just need that to be that person. doesn't always work out, but I'm batting about 70% there. Um, And then I'm very intentional what I show up for and what I don't show up for because I want my immediate direct reports that are basically running the individual businesses to make decisions. If I show up to every meeting and answer every question, that doesn't happen. So I'm very, very intentional what meetings I accept and what meetings I hit tentative and watch the recording on, you know, and what meetings I flat out decline. So I purposefully have a gauge of what I accept based on the decision that I anticipate needs to be made in that meeting and who in that meeting has decision rights. And I blatantly hit decline if I know that the individual is in the room. I trust them to make the right decision. I do not need to be there. Right. So I, I really protect my time in that late morning early afternoon to the things that I have to do because I've gotten to the point where I trust my team and they're completely capable of doing what they need to do and I don't have to be there but that's the time where I do a lot of a lot of just keeping up with the business and, and getting some of the busy work done in that middle part of the day later part of the day I've got reserved for like the Australians and everybody else is on the other side of the world, right? I mean, periodically visiting with them. Um, And that's really quiet time. So that's time where I I think about and do any of the leftover stuff and any of the longer term thinking, like, are we tracking to where we're trying to get to? Does everybody feel like they're being communicated to? I mean, all those, those other bigger level things, I try and, I try and do that. Now that sounds awesome, but some days it works and some days it doesn't. But I, but I, I think the biggest thing, how I, how I try and be productive is, is intentionally decide what I do and do not show up to because my presence has an influence on who makes decisions or who asks questions to whom, and I I trust the people that I have and I I don't I don't need to be there. And kind of the running joke at ProAgri is everyone I'm very open about being an introvert and having to be an extrovert. I need alone time to recharge. Maybe it's five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever I got, but I do, I do set aside at least 15 minutes a day just to be quiet, just to reset myself. Cause if I don't, I start to get run down and kind of crabby and everybody, you know, if you show up and you're not in a good mood, it completely blows up everybody else. Right. I mean, they, why is Ryan in a bad mood? What's going on? You know, but look, I mean, their brain just starts racing, which it shouldn't, but yeah, you, ha- you have to recognize that if the way you show up and the the energy that you, that you give out is, is very important. So if I'm feeling tired and run down, I might be five minutes late to a meeting, but it's because I'm sitting in my chair, just collecting myself, getting calm, and then I can show up and be myself again. So.
0: Well, I think that that's a, that's a really good rundown. And, you know, one of the things I'm hearing, um, just again and again, it's really, I mean, protecting, protecting your time, being intentional about where you place your time, where you place your energy, trusting your team, yep. you know, and, and if you're, if you're a leader, who's listening to this, it's like really struggling to, to trust others on your team to get things done. Uh, my, yeah. My encouragement always is to, I mean, Take a deep look inside, right? And say, okay, well, where am I maybe holding on to something a little bit too much? Where do I feel like I have to keep injecting myself into this? Am I not just letting people run? Am I not clear? And we talked about this in the beginning. Am I not clear on expectations? Am I not clear on the direction? And and sometimes just because we think we are doesn't mean that they're perceiving it.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> as, as clarity too. So yeah. we gotta, I'm always really cautious. Like, am I doing a good enough job of, of setting the expectations yeah. and double checking that? So, yeah.
1: There's the, there's the help me understand. Right. But there's also the, you know, Mark, I need you to do this because. Right. means this, and I, I've, I've set all of my team down. Like I need you to do this because it means this to the business. It means this to everyone. And they, they, one, they need to see you be a leader. And number two, I need you to understand your business and, and run your business because you understand it or deeper in it than I am. And if I always tell them, if you look at me to make a decision, I'm probably going to make the wrong decision. Right. Because I have don't have I'll sit and listen to you. And, you know, if if you're struggling with a decision, come to me. And we'll talk about it and you can tell me what's going on i mean i understand what's going on right i'm not completely i'm not completely aloof but i understand what's going on i understand what's happening but i need you to come explain to me how you are within this and then we will talk about it and then you will make the decision but i will help you right but that that's i mean again that took that took a good 15 years plus for me to learn that to be comfortable with that so yeah I understand if you're a leader struggling with delegation and trusting your team and everything else, one, you got to look at is your mission, is your, what crusade you're on? Is it clear enough to everyone else? Mm-hmm. You have the right people working for you. Can you trust them? And if you can't, you've got some things you need to work through. Yep.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, last uh, last couple of questions. Bring it in here for uh, for landing, uh, yeah. Ryan. Uh, first one: What's what's uh, what's what's a big thing that you get to improve on this year in, in uh, yourself or your business? Um,
1: I think there there is one thing I've learned in ag, whether it be in retail distribution or ag tech. Is the minute you got it figured out, you're the guy that's over in the corner preaching, and, and very few people are listening to you because you don't. So I think for me, it's it's just keeping the curiosity alive, and that that gets difficult. I think um, keeping the energy up is tough. This is a demanding business, um, mm-hmm. so I think for me, it's just continuing to show up and be be present. You know, be relevant, be connected. You know, keeping everything simplified, I think. Um the things I yeah, th- those are the things I'm working on. I just you, you can you can never you can never stop, you can never be satisfied. I mean, you always gotta be curious, so you've got to gotta be learning because things do change and changes, mm-hmm. change is change is a constant. So I think being flexible, being open, um kind of rolling with it with what you get, right? I mean that's it's a never ending battle for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you do to keep your energy up throughout the day?
1: Yeah. Like I said, I, I take, I take five, 10 minutes just to be quiet, turn my phone off, shut my computer and just sit in my chair. Um, and either stare out the window or close my eyes and just wait. It takes about, it takes about five, 10 minutes before your brain slows down right? Mm-hmm. And that, that gives me enough energy to get through the day. What I, what I do do, and I haven't done, I haven't done this year and I can feel it is usually once a year I go, I go hiking, I go um, back backpacking. I usually go to Colorado and I try and get out for at least four to five days. Phone doesn't yeah. work. You, you have to, I have to force myself to, to be alone, to decouple. And that, that helps center me back to what to who I am and what's most important. I, I find that if I don't if I don't do my daily chill out time or if I don't do my yearly kind of recharge, I can feel it. And just the just the, the pace and the and the it just all starts to kind of build up. And I I think if if you're not self-aware of all the stimulation that you have coming at you and if you can't can't manage that 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 will that will that what that will eat you up so i think that's another thing took me 20 years to to realize right is i need to be cognizant of that and filter what's coming at me and be intentional of where i spend my time and and that because it will make you unhealthy if you if you let it get the best of you
0: so for sure well, I love the idea of little, uh, little back country backpacking, just uh, oh, the, the disconnect, brilliant. the alone time, but I'll, you know, and I also love this, the daily, um, we actually teach this in some of our training events where we just take people into, um, you know, basically just like a, a three minute meditation to kind of get right. their focus back. Right. And it's, it's all focused on breathing. Like just, you know, we walk them through right. what that looks like. And I think that can be a huge benefit to just keeping, uh, keeping focus and energy moving in the right direction right. during the day. Um, let's see any, any book that uh, or or podcast that people ought to be listening to or reading.
1: Um, I always, I always enjoy um, and um, so building a story brand by Donald Miller.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I really enjoyed that book, and he's got several podcasts that he's done since then. But I just always appreciate his ability to to clarify messaging and ask. You know ask questions and have just have a you know a simple it's just a simple approach right to to how you to how you message um also there's um chip and dan heath the the made to stick book which yeah that's a great one, one. I, I love that book as well so I think but probably what I will say is read and listen to as much as you can I think when I first started out of college and you'd go to a training, it was like, Oh my gosh, I have to do everything exactly like is in the book or in the training. Right. Yeah. And the reality is you just need to, you need, I mean, you need to pay attention and be, and be present, but you'll take one or two things out of each experience to kind of build you as a person and build you as a leader and build you as a, as a, as an individual. Right. I think, I think if you try and do the script, it's gonna be really challenging, but if you can find find different things that you can pick up and be like, oh, Okay, yeah, if I would have done it this way using that, that might have had a different result, so I think, yeah, just do as much as you can, but always always be ingesting information,
0: yeah, absolutely. I could not agree more. Well, Ryan, this has been fantastic. Thanks for, for yeah. making the time to uh, to be on here. I know you got people all over the world that need your time and attention today. So <laughs> I definitely appreciate that uh, yeah. uh, you're taking the time to share some of your wisdom on this topic and and dive in and just have a conversation around it. So appreciate you being on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. You got any uh, great way that if people want to look up, learn more about uh, the company, learn more about you, what's the, what's the best way to reach out?
1: Yeah. You can look at the website. Um, It's proagrica.com or you can look, I'm on LinkedIn. I don't really do much other social stuff. So LinkedIn is the best place to find me. So
0: perfect. All right. Sounds good. We'll see you there. All right. Thanks. I hope today's episode brought you a great deal of value about what it takes to lead life and lead in this industry with intention. If you want to go deeper on the topic, of leading with intention, I encourage you to head on over to intentionaltoolbox.com and get the seven free tools that will help you to lead your life in all areas with a greater deal of intention. That's intentionaltoolbox.com. And finally, if, if this message resonated today, if there was something in here that you got value from, I promise you there's someone else in your life who also would get value from this. So please share the episode, share the podcast, and make sure that you subscribe.